little awkward. Uh, I forgot to put on my uh, earpiece this morning. Maybe I can blame Toby. I think he was walking around with it. Okay, well, good morning. Again, my name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, you know, today we get to continue in our study through the book of Luke. We have been in this all year. And, um, are we good? So we're, we're in this book of Luke, and we've been in this all year long. And today we are finishing up the, the final portion of Luke 16. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and kind of find your place. Uh, Luke 16, 16 through 31. If you'll join me with prayer. Oh, Lord God, we need you. How we need you. Every day, Lord, we need you. And uh, I need you this morning. Um, Lord, it's my prayer that, that today as we look into your word, that, um, that truly the things that stand out would be the things from you. And, uh, you know, that, that anything that is going on with me, Lord, that that thou would be able to to just fade out and and truly that your word would would speak to us. Lord, we thank you for all that you have been doing. We talked about the amazing celebration of our 40th anniversary and and really that is a, a testimony of your faithfulness. That's a testimony of of your promise to us that, that you will not leave us. And because of that, Lord, I, I can say that we have been able to see, uh, truly to see generations of, um, generations of, of just transformation, redemption. And we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, like I mentioned, uh, we are going to be finishing off the, the final portion of chapter 16. And there's a lot in there. I mean, there is a lot in this chapter. Uh, if you get emails from me throughout the week, uh, you already know that this past week I suggested, hey, why don't you guys read through the whole chapter of Luke 16? Uh, because I was hoping that this would begin to to kind of be on your mind, you would begin to start asking questions of, and thinking like, what is going on in this chapter? Uh, and today, you know, we have the joy of, of sharing in communion together. We're right after the service, after we have, have really looked at, you know, what Jesus is, is trying to teach us, then we get to respond to that. We get to respond to what he has done and to remember that in taking of communion. And when we do that, then, then we remember, like as he instructed us to do, to remember the sacrifice that he gave. And because of that sacrifice, because of that, you know, we're able to live amazing lives after him today. Right. Well, Luke 16, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Toby uh, started this chapter off. You remember he talked about uh, this story of the shrewd manager and how really he, he is enforcing over and over again that we need to look at the, 
things that we have that God has given us, our, our finances, our time, the resources that we have, and to see what are we doing with that. What are we doing with those things that we have been entrusted to steward, to manage here on earth? Are we using that to, to really make an impact on people, or are we just thinking about ourselves? Right? And we see the consequences of that. And today, we kind of continue, I believe we continue to see those things uh, in the latter half of this chapter. Uh, but in the middle, it's kind of interesting, in the middle, maybe, I, I imagine, you know, maybe someone asked a question or they pointed something out, and, and Jesus kind of, it almost seems like he takes this kind of side detour first. And, and we find that in verse 16 through 18. And if you read along with me, it says, Jesus is saying, The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, Jesus He's talked about this shrewd manager, and, and he's talked about how this man, you know, leveraged his skills in his time of desperation, and, and he was crafty, and he found a way out of that, right? And that, that we need to be thinking of how can we use what we have to really further the kingdom, right? And then he takes this sidestep of, of, of really letting them know for whatever reason, I, again, I imagine maybe someone asked a question or something, he's responding, and he's letting them know that, that, yes, you know, we had the law and the prophets. We had what we would say the Old Testament. And then we had John, who's, who's kind of like this dividing line. And John, his cousin, who was preparing the way for his coming. And then now, this is a segue into the New Testament, what we know as the New Testament. And Jesus is clear. He's continuing on what God has already done. He's not saying... Hey, guys, I'm here, so everything else is all done and it's gone. But he's saying, no, it's I, you know, I am continuing what the Lord has done and I'm bringing new revelation of who God is. I'm bringing you clear understanding of, you know, what I'm doing here on the earth. And and so he is not come to see the law abolished, but to be fulfilled. Right. And so Jesus actually begins to kind of tell them this thing that we see in a lot of the scripture that. He, you know, he doesn't just say, okay, well, this is a law. In some ways, he goes beyond what they had expected. And at that time, divorce was a pretty hot topic. You had kind of two um, kind of uh, main camps of thought after these two rabbis of, of Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai. And uh, the followers of Hillel thought that it was okay to get a divorce, that, you know, it's fine, get a divorce. There's a lot of reasons you can get a divorce. Uh, we think of the obvious, like infidelity, um, you know, things like that. But he's also, you know, some of them even thought, yeah, well, if you find a, you know, someone that's just prettier, then that's reason enough, you know. And and so there's that side, and then there's the other side that was saying, no, it's completely unacceptable to get a divorce unless there's been unfaithfulness in the marriage. And we see that, that Jesus really, he's taking more of that side, but even a step further of saying that, hey, you know what? How I see it, it's such a permanent covenant, such a per permanent thing that even after the divorce, you know, it could be like you're committing adultery, right? That's how serious this is. That's how permanent he sees marriage. But the big point is Jesus is not saying, okay, 
I'm here to get rid of the law. I'm here to get rid of everything that has, has been brought to you already. But no, I am the new covenant. I am the new, um, you know, I am, am God here, and I've come to fulfill that, right? And then so that brings us to uh, this next story that, that we will spend the, the you know, majority of our time this morning in. And this is a very interesting story. Maybe you've read it before. Uh, your Bible may, may say uh, Lazarus and the rich man or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, but before we get into that, I, I want to mention there are a couple different ways or, you know, there's probably more, but that we can approach this passage. Now, one way is that, that we look at it as this is a, a literal account. Uh, this is something that really happened, and Jesus is, is sharing that. He's saying, hey, this is something that really happened. Let me tell you the story that, of this, this encounter that happened. Right? And he names this man Lazarus, which we know that in, when we look back to the other parables, you know, usually the people are described like, like we say you know, that there is uh, a sower, there is a shrewd manager, there is a master, there is, you know, it's a description of a person. Right? It's not a specific name. So you can look at that and, and, and say, okay, well, this is specific name. There's some pretty uh, clear details in the story. So I will say that, you know, this is a, an actual account, and I'm going to look at it as such. There are people that also look at this and say, no, I think it's a parable, that there's, it's a story that is given to illustrate a point. Like we talked about the sower and the seeds. You had this... Uh, this kind of like farmer, he's just dropping seeds, and they fell along these different paths. And depending on where that seed landed, it had, you know, a chance for survival. It had a chance to, to grow and to produce fruit, right? Um, and so, no, he wasn't giving instruction on, hey, guys, this is how you, you grow something. You know, you're going to throw the seed on the ground. You're going to pat it down like this, water it. No, he's not giving that instruction, right? He's using the story as an illustration for a different point. So whether you're looking at this as, this, you know, this is an actual literal account that is just being relayed or as, you know, hey, he's telling a parable for an illustration. I think either way, you can see that there is the same message that underneath it all, it's really God's love. He's coming after he wants those that are lost to be saved. So let's begin in Luke 16:19. It says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Some translations may say that he described his eating, that he ate sumptuously. He, he ate these feasts every day. It wasn't just that he had a good life, but he was extravagant. At his gate, you can think of kind of his entryway, his front door, his, his uh, yeah, entrance, uh, there laid a beggar named Lazarus. He's covered with sores, and he's longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So there's this contrast that's given. There's this full spectrum that we see, that there's on one hand this very poor man. He's a, 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 a beggar. He's helpless. He's riddled with disease. He can't do anything for himself. He is left laying 
begging, hoping that someone would have mercy on him. And then we have this other person who is described as extremely rich, right? Now, Lazarus is named, this beggar is named, he is Lazarus. And like I said, he is, is really helpless. The passage says that in 21, it says, he was longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Now, I always thought, well, I mean, I got kids, so I can kind of, but they're kind of messy. But otherwise, like, why is he counting on things falling from the rich man's table, right? And so when you look into it, you know, this man that's being described, he's a Jewish man, but he's kind of living this extravagant life similar to the Romans at that time. And one of the things that the the Romans did, uh, they had these uh, original napkins where, um, you know, they had some dough and on the table and they would knead it and roll it out and it'd be this thin dough and then if you had leftovers you could take the leftovers from a plate put it in the dough kind of wrap it up and then take it home with you and then from that people saw well that's that dough is basically bread okay it's uncooked bread and then they began to take slices of bread and and they could actually use that bread to to wipe their hands off like a you know like what we think of a napkin they could use that bread to wipe their hands off and this is a point of how rich they are. Because for a common person, something like bread would be their like main meal. That's like the main part of their daily sustenance. But for the rich, uh, you know, especially when we're talking dinner time where they would have more like fish and meat, stuff like that, they had these amazing foods to have. And so the bread was really just like, a, it, it was an afterthought, right? And so they could wipe their hands on this bread and just throw it away, you know, throw it to the dogs. Right? They can just drop it, the crumbs, spread it off, just get rid of it, right? And so Lazarus is, is sitting there, and he's wishing, man, I wish I could eat like the dogs eat. I wish I could get those scraps that are thrown out. I wish that I could have that left over. Um, and in contrast, we, we know the rich man, he is uh, you know, described as, as wearing purple, and he's got these fine linens. And I don't know about you, but I don't mind purple, but it's not my favorite color. Uh, I remember uh, one I remember one day a long time ago, my dad came home with a, a nice, bright purple, puffy vest. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And, you know, and I kind of, we were, we were kind of laughing like, dude, where did you get that? You know, why did you get that vest? And and uh, he, he doesn't really, he didn't really have a lot of other like purple clothes. So we're like, that doesn't really go with like your style, <laughs> you know, like, um, and he said, it was on sale. Like it was a good price. And I was like, okay. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, the purple in, in maybe today we may think, oh, it's just another color. Right. But in that time, most everyone was wearing like white. And that was, uh, you know, that was the color of the outer garment or kind of off-white. And, and when you saw people wearing that, it's like, okay, they look clean. They look respectful. They look like a normal member of society, right? But purple, they didn't have all the colors available, right? Purple was really a sign of royalty. It was something that was very hard to get that I think it was a type of uh, – shellfish or, or something that was uh, used to extract the dye, like something like that. Like it was really reserved for like royalty and in this case, ultra rich. So for someone w- to be wearing purple, it was like, hey, you know, hey, 
everyone would notice it from a mile away. It was like, not just like, hey, designer kind of clothes. It was like you knew that designer personally, and he outfitted you, you know, custom, and you can't even buy this stuff unless you're that type of, uh, you know, kind of wealthy person, right? And that undergarment or that linen, uh, a lot of scholars say, you know, that material was so valuable that just the, you know, that linen was worth its weight in gold. Um, so this man, he lived like that every day, that he was walking around. People could see him from a mile away that, wow, that must be a king or someone that's super wealthy. And then he's not just eating the regular meals of, hey, I'll just have some bread, maybe some eggs, stuff like that. He's getting a feast. So every day he's just living this extravagant life, right? So let's continue. Verse 22. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember in that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So remember, we can draw different things from this passage depending on if we think hey, it's, it's an actual story or it's a parable uh, that Jesus is using to illustrate a point he's making. If we think of it as a, a, a literal story, when I look at this, um, and, and most times when you find teaching on this passage, it's seen very literally and, and describing uh, kind of the, the, the dangers of, of living a life that is kind of squandered away. And, and this is some of the things that await you in, in um, you know, the afterlife. If we view it as a literal story, we find some interesting truths. I, I think some things that I observed is, is that the rich man, he has like a lot of his senses, right? He feels pain. He's in agony. It's like unbearable. He's not like, oh, I'm okay. He's like crying out. Like he sees somebody, he's crying out for help, right? He's just saying, man, it is so bad. Just send him to, to dip his finger in water and cool me off a little bit, right? That does not sound very good. He remembers, right? 
it's amazing to me because he's sitting, yeah, I mean, he's, not, he's there in pain and he sees Lazarus and he remembers, he calls him out by name. He's saying, send Lazarus. You know, how Father Abraham, and Abraham was this great patriarch of their, of their society, right? And, and it's great forefather. And, and he's saying, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to help me out. So that memory is there. His mind is there. He's aware that, hey, I messed up. I'm here. I messed up. It is not a good place. And he's saying, please save my family. Go back. Share with my family. Let them know this truth that I totally missed. Let them know. And we find that, that Father Abraham, he, he tells them, no, it's, it's not possible. You know, even if I wanted to help you, I can't. Right? Even if I wanted to give you some relief, I can't. And he makes a, a very kind of piercing remark, right? Of saying, you know what? Your family, they already have the truth. They have this amazing truth, this testimony from, from Moses, from the prophets. They have the word of God. All they have to do is listen to that. All they have to do is believe that. All they have to do is follow that. And they'll be fine. And the rich man says, no, it's not enough. You know what would really make an impact on them? Is if you send Lazarus or you send me, you send someone who they know was dead and has been resurrected. They would believe that testimony. And Abraham replies with a sobering kind of truth of saying, are you serious? If they didn't believe Moses, if they didn't believe these great men and women of God, if they didn't believe them, they're not going to believe someone, just, you know, just any person that just raises from the dead. They're not going to believe them. And I think that's you know, something that, that Jesus is even foretelling, right? Because that's what we see, that as he even went and rose from the dead, that there's still so many that don't believe. Now, I think that if we look at it from the idea of, well, no, I don't know. I think it's more of a parable. It's an illustration. I think in a lot of ways, it it shows us very similar things. I think it's amazing that this rich man that has found himself on the wrong side, that is in agony, that is pain, that calls out to Father Abraham. Abraham is showing him. He's still showing him. kind of this, uh, this care in, in calling him son. He's not saying, you, you idiot, you, you screwed up, or you're an evil man. You know, he's like, son, I can't help you. Don't you remember you had these opportunities in your life and you missed it, right? It's kind of this, I, I feel like it is this, like, um, yeah, it, he's, he's gentle with them. He's like, man, I I wish you would have got this, right? If we look at it from that sense of of being a parable, it's not even so much about the warning of, hey, if you mess up, then you're going to, you know, end up separated from God. You're going to end up 
you know, spending your eternity in agony. But I think the real core of, of the message is that you guys have received the truth. You have the truth. You are a, a wealthy, wealthy person, right? In terms of that you have the truth. You have what people are longing for, that the person that is outside is longing for, the outcasts, the sinners, the Gentiles, the people that are apart, that are longing for, that they just, they want it so bad they will take the scraps, right? But you're withholding that. You're withholding that, and you're totally missing this opportunity that God has empowered you to meet. That this man, that you even know his name, you know them by name, and yet you're ignoring them. Day after day, ignoring them and just gorging yourself, you know, with your blessings, right? And so that's kind of where, you know, I land today is, is thinking about that. You know, how does this apply to us? How does this apply to me? And, and the question that really stuck out to me is what do you really believe? Because I think that's kind of the core is that, that Abraham was telling this rich man, you know what, you have the truth. Moses, the prophets, they gave you the word of God. They told you how you should live. Even if you take away all the, the little details and just broke it down to, hey, Moses gave you these Ten Commandments, right? We know that that first portion it's talking about, you know, hey, love God. Jesus sums it up saying, hey, love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? And then the next part is to basically love people. So it's, it's two parts. It's so simple. Not easy, but it's simple. And he's saying, hey, if you just took that and just lived it out, believed it and lived it out that, hey, what you're supposed to do is to love God and love people, you would have been okay. But you totally missed that and you just... Loved yourself. You just held it to yourself. You just thought, hey, I'm in. I'm not outside. I'm okay. I'm safe, is what you thought, right? And so, yeah, who cares about everyone else, right? And so that's the question that I have for us this morning is what do you really believe? What do you really believe? If you go to the the weekly challenge, let's read through Luke. Again, you can take a picture of this. I'll I'll email it to you on Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday. If you're not on our email list, fill out a connection card, and and I can email that to you. But um, no, read Luke 16, 16 to 31 again. Think about it. How does it speak to you? Are you hearing it from the, the kind of lens of, hey, this is an illustration Jesus is giving? Are you seeing it as a literal account? Either way, I think it speaks to us. The second part is to grow. We want to take what we know. We want to grow. Take some time to reflect. This is a tough question to ask, but what do you really believe? When you think about, hey, this is what I believe, do you actually, are you living that? Right? Are you living that way? Because I think if we ask that rich man, hey, what do you believe? You know, he's this, this prominent Jewish man. And he would say, of course, I believe the, the, the law. Of course, I follow the, you know, whatever. He would, I'm sure he would say, hey, this is what I believe. You know, I'm, I'm an upstanding Jewish 
man, you know, of course I know all the scripture. Of course I know this, right? But then when you look at, well, how do you live? Are you loving God and are you loving people? Then I think it would be very hard to ignore that, hey, there is this man who's at his doorstep. Probably this mansion. And he disregards him. He knows his name, but he doesn't help him out, right? So does what you claim, what you say, what you would say, yes, this is what I believe, does that match how you live? And then overflow. Jesus pointed out over and over again that the Pharisees fell short because they had this ability to help others, but they didn't. And that's going to hit each of us differently, right? It's going to speak to us differently. But I encourage you to set a goal to act in love this week, to make a commitment to say, you know what, God, I want to, I want to love someone this week. I want to reach out to someone. I want to share your love with somebody this week. Would you give me an opportunity to do that? Would you show me a way that I can help someone out? And I'm confident that as that is on your mind, as you are thinking about that, and daily even asking, God, how can I share your love with somebody today? That as you're looking, right, we know that when we're looking for something, a lot of times that's when we see it, right? That's when we start to notice these things. Then, then I think you will be presented with an opportunity. And uh, you know what? Let me know how that goes. You can write it on the connection card next week uh, or share it to me in person. But uh, yeah, I, I encourage you to, to make a commitment to, to say, you know what? I want to act out in love this week. And if you know already how you can do that, maybe there's someone God's put on your heart, um, you know, make that commitment. Write that down. Uh, worship team, you guys can come back up, um, and we will be preparing to transition into communion. So, Pastor Jenny, if you would come and, and lead us. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll let me pray, and then you can come forward. So, Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you. Lord, I thank you that that we get to we get to study your word together. I thank you that you have given our community so many brilliant minds, so many amazing resources that, like I mentioned, that, that I'm able to even to reference the thoughts of many great scholars, to reference the ideas of other great men and women of God, and to engage in that conversation of how are you speaking to us? How do you want to move us so that in this lifetime, although this is the shortest part of our eternity, in this lifetime, that we would be able to live richly, full of joy, and make an impact on the people that you have placed at our doorstep, that you have called us to love, to restore, to lift up, that they would also know how much you love them, how much you care. So, Lord, that's our prayer today, that, that your word would, would really be planted in us, that everywhere we go, not just here at church on Sunday, but everywhere we go, that we would be moved by you and by your love. And we thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Pastor Jenny.